Hey there, Internet. I'm Holly Anderson, Director of Politics and News here at MTV and the host of The Stakes. It's Thursday, October 13th, 2016, and last night we bore witness to a rising tide of women who have come forward with allegations of indecent and inappropriate behavior and even sexual assault against GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump. As part of our ongoing coverage of this election cycle, we're bringing you this breakout conversation between senior political correspondent Anna Marie Cox and MTV politics writer Marcus Ellsworth. A quick warning before we start, this conversation covers self-care, covers activism, and that touches on a number of potentially triggering topics, including sexual assault. Hello, Anna Marie. How are you doing today? I'm I'm okay, Marcus. How are you? I'm I'm all right. You know, not great because uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about this election and how how the conversation has arisen about sexual harassment, sexual assault, misogyny, and and this is this feels unprecedented, really, to have. I mean, politics has always had. A, a lot of scandal around it. Um, accusations of sexual harassment, sexual assault are not new to politics, but this may be the first time that we've seen an entire presidential race suddenly hinging on it. Um, and you've done a lot of coverage of this election up close. You've gone to the debates, you've uh, covered the, the conventions. Uh, so wh- how does this all playing out for you, Anna? You know, this does feel different. Um I've yeah, I've covered politics for a long time, and and yes, there there've always been allegations, you know, one way or another, um, about sexual harassment, sexual assault, or rape. Even I think what's different about this campaign is that it does seem like the whole election hinges on this, in part because of Trump's behavior, in part because of his decision to try and make this about Bill Clinton's behavior, and then I think there's something else which is that trump is the embodiment of like white privilege and toxic masculinity Mm. and you know when these allegations have surfaced in the past i think you've had sometimes characters who are able to for maybe not maybe it's not good that they're able to behave well in public you know um i think most abusers and harassers tend to be kind of tend to have two faces to them you know tend to have a, a a side that they keep, are able to keep somewhat um, secret or hidden. Trump just is who he is, right? That's supposedly mm. his big selling point. Um, and the thing that has been remarkable about these allegations that have come out against him is how unsurprising they are, right? Yeah, because he's, um, he's got a history of being this kind of a figure that's that's a little little sleazy and and menacing even. And so having accusations like this come forward shouldn't really surprise anybody. I don't think it does surprise anybody. I mean, look at the persona he's put forward in reality TV and, and just in his public persona period, he's been around for decades now and that's kind of who he is. Right. And he's an exploiter of people in general, right? Exploiter Mm -hmm. of minorities, exploiter of small businessmen, exploiter of of anyone who he sees as being, you know, less than he is or somehow weaker than he is. He is a, he is someone who tries to abuse his power. And so that he would, the way that he mocks the disabled is on a continuity with the way he treats women, right? 
Um, anyone who's been paying close attention wouldn't be surprised by this at all. I mean, I think that the Republicans getting vapors over this is pretty, you know, um, astonishing. And I also just want to say, though, as a person covering this, I mean, it's, it's, you know, covering a campaign is a privilege in a lot of ways. I think, you know, I, I am very lucky to be able to be a part of this, you know, grand experiment in democracy, which I do believe, you know, the press plays a part of. And I am, I am privileged to have been able to travel and see these candidates in a way that others have not. And I, so I don't want to complain too much, okay? <laughs> Understandable, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, this campaign has been more personally challenging than anything I've ever done. I have a story about being, you know, sexually assaulted. I have a few, actually. There's one that, that is sort of was more pivotal in my life than others. And I've told this story before. Like, the people who know me, it's not, a, it's not like I've kept it a secret. It's one of those things that women share with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, women's locker room talk, by the way, <laughs> can be a little bit more. Can't, you, sometimes women's locker room talk is about sexual assault. It's about being on the receiving end of it. Um. But last night I, you know, was actually on television and uh, the host of the show I was on, Lawrence O'Donnell, read from the New York Times story on one of the women that had been sexually or claims to have been sexually assaulted by Trump. And the assault itself, uh, he kissed her on the mouth um, outside an elevator. It, you know, let's not put it on a scale. That's just what it was. Yeah. Right. And then he read the reaction that her boyfriend had the next day in describing her situation and how he felt that what was really more troubling for her, what hurt her more, wasn't the inappropriate touching itself. It was the powerlessness she felt afterwards. Mm-hmm. Which, which is something that many uh, victims of sexual assault feel especially when they're confronted right. with someone who has so much power. Um, and that's, but that's also the thing that victims feel most criticized about is, well, why didn't you say something then? Why didn't you do something then? So and we're, we're going to have to confront this, uh, this culture around, around sexual assault because it, it feels like right now in the public discourse, there is a lot of skepticism towards the victims. There's a lot of questioning of, oh, you waited five years, 10 years, 20 mm-hmm. years to come forward. Why didn't you come forward then? And the answer is as simple as it's terrifying to even think you're going to go up against someone who has any kind of power, let alone someone who we know is more than happy to sue people over the littlest thing and to drag them through the mud. So that has to be intimidating. And that is exactly what happened to me. The incident that happened with me wasn't itself that violent. It wasn't itself, you know, something that would make a very good, you know, example for people who are really looking for terrible stuff, right? But it happened, and the horrible thing that happened was afterwards I realized I couldn't do anything about it. And if it happened again, I wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And nothing I had in my arsenal, you know, my intelligence, my wit, my own physical strength, would be able to stop someone, a man, with enough power. I just felt in that moment, like it all kind of like coming back to me. 
and I, I, I froze on camera, and it, you know, it was a, it's an emotional moment. And what's been amazing is I knew that was happening for other women. It happened for me, and now I'm hearing from even more women. This exact same situation is happening around the country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talk about triggering. We we sometimes make jokes about it. You know, it's sort of a it's it's a little bit controversial, but it's fucking real. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's important not to minimize. Um, degrees of trauma because you know like you said like you know it wasn't particularly violent but uh, but it still affects you it still robs you of a sense of power a sense of agency um even if it's not a violent assault even because you know people talk about oh well you know he didn't have a weapon or anything it's like well that doesn't minimize or change the that feeling that doesn't that doesn't make it better for the person who experienced it to say, well, other people go through something worse. And, and, what, and also the message it sends the woman is the same, no matter what the scale, mm-hmm. right? Is that you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Other people can touch your body however they want and you can't do anything about it. And just because it wasn't that bad that one time doesn't mean it's going to be worse next time. And, it, and you still can't do anything about it. That sense of powerlessness is something that women mean that's just that's what that's what rape culture is (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) is you can't do anything about it and i think that this is you know people are discovering just how widespread you know the phenomenon is people i should say men maybe men who haven't been paying attention before Mm -hmm. um and, and just how powerful it is. And that, you know, tr- like, you know, triggering is a real thing in the sense that unbidden to me, all of those feelings, that, uh, that physical, visceral reaction I had to my powerlessness, like, came at me like a fucking truck. And, you know, thank God, you know, thank God that my, I am who I am today and I have a strong network of female friends and I've talked about this before and you know I've shared about it before and know that I have support I think about the women out there who are watching the news unfold who haven't told their stories before mm-hmm. who don't know if they have support have support well, um, you know what does it say about our culture right now that like there are women watching the news and in pain there's not a lot of sympathy in the when you look at it, that the conversation around these these allegations and these stories that are coming forward it really feels like there's there is this the the first thing you and I've seen every time another woman has come forward and said that you know Trump did this to me and then immediately there's a pushback against her not against Trump you know there there is this like this need to people have a desire to attack these women who are coming forward with their stories because our culture does defend rape culture. We, we do defend this idea that for some reason men can't, we can't control our, our sexual impulses. And, and it's, it's, the, it's the stupidest thing ever. Um, like we have no responsibility for what we do to other people. But, you know, I want to say that you definitely are seeing that. But I also do want to say that there is progress been made in the last 20 years, you mm. know, um, since since these things happened to me um, and the reaction I've even seen in popular culture and in mainstream media, I want to say how important it was that when Anderson Cooper asked the question at the last debate mm-hmm. of, of Trump about this, about his comments on Access Hollywood, do you remember exactly what his question was? 
It was, do you recognize that what you were saying was sexual assault? He didn't leave up for grabs whether or not it was sexual assault. He was asking Trump, do you realize that's what you were describing? And that's different than it would have been even 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. And I I, I think I, I want to applaud Anderson Cooper for that. And I want to say that there are other people out there in the media who are talking about this the way they should be talking about it. And also, you know what? Like social media, we talk about how terrible it can be. But like last night, after I, what happened to me on camera, after I sort of froze up and teared up a little bit, I got hundreds of messages of support. Yeah, hundreds. folks are definitely showing you some love because I think they recognize. I think also people recognize what this what happened in that moment. They recognize that you were triggered. They recognize that. Um, that this subject blindsided you and your in your reaction in that moment, um, which and and honestly that support that outpouring of support from people that um, like if we're if we're going to talk about self care that's part of it is um, is other people you know making it known and being open to like you know I'm a safe person to talk to I understand I've been there or you know or just if you if you need to talk or if you just need to sit there and cry. I'm here. You know, that's important to have that network, um, especially in your personal life, you know, to, to find people who you can trust to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Because you have to come up for air at some and point. I, right. And I want to say that, like, you know, there are resources out there. There's um, the Rape Abuse Incest National Network is the one that I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um and there are also, I mean, I'm, I know that you have more resources that, that you can talk about. And it's also okay to go to resources outside your immediate circle first, if that's what feels safer. Mm-hmm. You know, well, a lot of times it doesn't feel safe to talk to people that are immediately next to you because you worry how they're going to judge you. Well, and, you know, most cities have, um, especially like women's shelters or uh, Planned Parenthood even has access to some resources for uh, victims of sexual assault and um and people should be comfortable reaching out and they should know that these organizations, they, they respect your anonymity. They're not going to broadcast your story. They're there for you in that moment in whatever capacity you need. And then that counts, by the way, and that you are doing something about every other woman's situation when you yourself reach out for help. Yes. You know, like every single step each individual woman takes in her recovery is a step that makes it easier for other women. Other men, too. Like we should we should also mention that. Oh yeah, you know, men are also victims of sexual assault and sexual harassment. This is not a gender, you know, it's <laughs> not a gender specific crime. It's often much more difficult for men to come forward. Um, and I, I want everyone to know, you know, if you've been hurt, the first step is to ask for help, and that asking for help is a powerful thing, not just for you but for other people as well. Mm-hmm. We do change the culture with each tiny individual step we take. You know, like. It sounds you know, sounds silly, but every person who sent me like a picture of a puppy or a kitten last <laughs> night, <laughs> like you are helping change rape culture, you know, like by signaling your sympathy, by signaling that you believe me, by signaling that you want to help me, you are sending a message to everyone else. And you are also changing your own like point of view um, and helping people who around you like it, by showing sympathy and empathy like when you talk about this the way you talk about this at work and at school matters too right yes like if you are talking about this at work or school in a dismissive way you may be someone who you know who is that could be that much more afraid to come forward if you talk about this in a supportive way 
in a, in a in a way that shows respect for the women involved, you are sending a message to whoever might be hearing that conversation that it's a little more safe than they thought it was. Well, thank you, Anna Marie, for taking the time to talk to me today about this issue. And, and thank you also for being willing to talk about your own story uh, so publicly and to, like you said, help to move us forward on this issue. Well, thank you. And I want to say again, just everyone out there listening to this, sharing it with someone else, you're going to make a difference. And that's enough. That's enough for today. So thanks. That was senior political correspondent Anna Marie Cox in conversation with MTV politics writer Marcus Ellsworth. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is available to anyone who needs it 24 hours every day at 1-800-656-4673. You are not alone. I'm Holly Anderson. We'll be back tomorrow with a regular edition of The Stakes. Until then, please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Thank you.